Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, this is Mark with Dads and Diabetes. Our next episode, episode 3, Education, will be dropping in about a week or so. But we wanted to give you something to tide you over. Something kind of neat, I think. Um, Alan and I had an opportunity to visit with Jeremy Collins, who heads up a podcast called Podcasts We Listen To, where he interviews people who create and host podcasts. And he talks to a wide variety of different people, episode to episode, people who host true crime podcasts or comedy podcasts, history podcasts, um, podcasts about beer, um, any number of different things. And so Jeremy had reached out to us to discuss dads and diabetes. He was curious as to how we had started up the podcast and why we were doing it. And if you listen to our interview with him, you'll understand why that was important to him. So Alan and I talked to him for about an hour. It was a really great conversation. And I think if you're interested in dads and diabetes, then this interview may be of interest to you as well. Uh, once you've had a chance to listen to the episode, please go check out the back catalogue of podcasts we listen to. I think Jeremy is 80 or so episodes in now, so there's a whole slew of great podcasts that you can listen to. And again, listen to folks who've created a wide variety of different types of podcast. You can also go to the podcasts we listen to Facebook page, which has over 20,000 members. So it's a great place to engage with other people who are similarly interested in podcasts, which I think I've said now, I think I've said the word podcast now about 52 times in, in this short blurb. But anyway, um, and it's just a great place to seek out additional, you guessed it, podcasts, if you're interested in uh, finding other great content. Anyway, we hope you enjoy the interview and uh, look out for Dads and Diabetes episode three uh, around the 14th, as always. And we appreciate your listenership. Enjoy. You are listening to podcasts we listen to. I'm your host, Jeremy Collins, and thank you so much for giving us a download and a listen. I had originally intended to have this episode up on Christmas Day, but between the holidays and a car accident where I totaled a rental vehicle and other things, I'm running a little bit behind. I hope you'll forgive that. But on this episode, I'm talking to Alan and Mark. They host the Dads and Diabetes podcast. It's a couple of guys talking about what it's like to be the father of young children with type 1 diabetes. It's a great show, and they are great guys. And I hope you enjoy the episode. And since I'm still a little discombobulated and didn't say it at the beginning, I hope you also had a great holiday 
and I hope you have a wonderful 2019. All of that said, here are Alan and Mark of the Dads and Diabetes podcast. Alan, Mark, how are you guys today? Doing great. Doing great, Jeremy. I appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, doing really well. This is just a, in the interest of listeners understanding which who is who here. This is Mark, and that was Alan. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's going to be hard to tell you guys apart. <laughs> Mark, it's been over a year now, but people may recognize your voice because you were on episode 28 back in the day for whistle stop week episode 28 oh good grief the good old days jeremy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> over a year ago man it's it's been a little while since we chatted yeah and it was so much fun i had to come back and do it again but uh, i definitely appreciated you showcasing whistle stop week and that show continues to go from strength to strength we're in season three right now having a lot of fun and really enjoyed talking to you about that so thanks for having us on uh, for my new passion project along with alan before we get into that real quick, Alan also has another show, which I plan on getting him onto this show for. So would you like to give everybody a quick description of that? Sure. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, it's a podcast that really, I guess it's the Seinfeld podcast. It's a show about nothing. And um, it's really <laughs> just uh, redneck comedy is actually how we kind of describe it. And it's really just a point of view of, of living in a small town, because typically what a lot of times we do, especially on weekends and things, we don't really get to go to town much because every town's about an hour away. And so a lot of times we just hang out and talk. And that was really the catalyst of it is uh, us just sitting around and talk and giving each other a hard time and people thought that we were funny and they liked it and it's really surprising how it's grown we've got uh, listeners all over all over the world some in you uh really well, i shouldn't say that definitely all over the country and europe but uh wherever they can speak english and understand our accents but uh you know we but, <laughs> We're really growing in the uh, in the in the in just the rural areas all over the country. You know, some of actually uh, some of our big biggest listener bases is, are in New York, Arizona, Wisconsin. We just we've had we're really kind of overwhelmed by the number of people that like listening listening to us talk about Lord knows what. So it's uh, anyway, it's called Small Town Famous. And we have a website, smalltownfamous.com, and of course we're on iTunes and all the other good stuff. So been doing it about two years, well, two and a half years now. And now the two of you have this show, which is called Dads and Diabetes. Yeah, it's a comedy. We... <laughs> it sounds like a comedy. <laughs> Before we get too far into it, where can people find Dads and Diabetes? So we are just about everywhere. We, um, we actually have a web address, but we have nothing on the website right now. So welcome to Google that if you like, but it, you won't find anything there. Instead, you can find uh, links to all of our shows on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, Dads and Diabetes. We're also on Twitter, at Dads and Diabetes, creatively enough. Uh, you can also find us on iTunes and anywhere that you download your podcasts from. And then our home for right now is uh, Spreaker. So we actually do have a page on Spreaker. And again, all of our shows are archived there, all, all two of them because this is a, a relatively new podcast. But yeah, and also we are, and Alan, would, it's going to get after me if I don't say it, we are on Instagram. We had fa uh, fans of the show say, you need to be on Instagram. The diabetes uh, community is strong on Instagram. So despite the fact that nobody needs to see Alan and I, we have faces for radio, uh, we are on Instagram too. Well, I know you said it was a comedy. <laughs> Always. Diabetes is incredibly funny. <laughs> <laughs> 
I know you said it was a comedy, but how would you really describe the show to somebody? It's just two dads telling stories about what it's like from our perspective and dealing with day-to-day issues with our, our children who've been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Uh, me and Mark both have comedy podcasts, but, you know, this this one is not a comedy, and, and I feel like that it probably will eventually go in that direction some because I think we can't help ourselves. But, you know... There's also some pretty raw emotion there. Uh, I know I've had a couple of tear-jerking moments, and I believe Mark has too. I'll let him uh, speak for himself on that. But you know, it's pretty passionate when you're dealing with your little, your little, your little kids on uh, with type, uh, type one diabetes, and especially, you know, if there's something about a dad and a daughter, uh, just that connection with your daughters that it just you know rips your heart out when you're having to deal with that. And and really, it from it's from a perspective of not. It's not a medical podcast. It's not medical advice in any any way. It's really just a narrative of, you know, from what was it like before our kids were diagnosed? What was it like being in the hospital? What's it like going home? What was the education like? What's it like just day-to-day living with it? You know, we're only pumping these things out about once a month, so uh, we're pretty much on fire. Um, (laughs) We have plenty of content. We we have plenty of content. uh, I believe Mark said for the next five years. So you know, uh, we're pacing ourselves. I think we're going to record episode three Monday, if I'm not mistaken. You know, but that's really what it's about, Mark. What did I leave out? Yeah, so I only have a couple of things to add, really. You mentioned, you know, it's it's a series of stories. And right now, it is very much a narrative starting from the diagnosis. And obviously, the episode that just dropped this week was our time in hospital with our kiddos. Really, the first four episodes, the first four months worth of content, if you like, are going to be very linear, going from diagnosis to the hospital. Next episode is going to be about education and then finally coming home. Those four episodes already hang together as a single narrative. And then our hope is, as we move forward from there, is to kind of diversify and cover those things that we think are important or maybe uh, timely. Maybe some stuff's happened in our life that we want to go ahead and address. But it's always going to be from that perspective, like Alan said, of you know, from the heart. It's going to be real life. What's it like living with diabetes? ensuring that our kids have the best life they possibly can. It's not going to be medical in nature. It's just going to be very genuine and very, very honest. And I think that, um, you know, that, that in and of itself makes it, I wouldn't say unique, but it makes it pretty distinct because I think a lot of the diabetes podcasts that are out there are more of a medical nature. And that's not a criticism of them. In fact, I got the idea to do this podcast off the back of listening to those podcasts because I really liked listening to some of the content and some of the guests that they had on and it was energizing to me. And so I felt like I, I had something to contribute to that. And I felt like Alan and I together could put something together that would be worthwhile. But the, the, the kind of extra angle to what we do is, and it's in the title, I guess, Dads and Diabetes, is this is not, that, ref, that, that title doesn't so much reference our audience. It just references those who are delivering the podcast, right? A couple of dads, we're the ones delivering the podcast. We want for anybody whose life has been touched by diabetes to feel like that they can connect with this podcast. That being said, many of those other podcasts that I listened to, they were driven by by moms, as are many of the Facebook groups um, and social media platforms. They're driven by moms. Moms just, they get out, they get energized, they roll up their sleeves and they get in there and they take the lead. And that's fantastic. And, and dads just seem to be I don't know, reticent to do that. Maybe it's because the emotional piece that Alan referenced and guys don't want to go there. But we felt like if we could be honest and transparent about what we're dealing with, there's a couple of males, a couple of dads. Um, Yes, the podcast could be of, of interest to anybody, but it might particularly resonate 
with fellow dads. And, and we found that to be the case so far. Good point. One of the things that I really like about the show is that you guys do kind of put it all out there. If you're feeling it, you show it. Was that a tough thing for you guys to to do? You know, especially in the second episode, I actually, um, I teared, there was a moment where I teared up and I typically am the one, I, I do the editing on that. And, and as I was tightening it up, I went to that part of it and, and, uh, I got to that moment and, and I, and I let my wife listen to it and she was like, are you, are you going to keep that in there? And, and I thought, man, I don't really know. But after I listened uh, over and over, you know, uh, several times, I thought, no, you know, that's what it's about. It it really does to this day. If I tell that particular story, it just rips my heart out. And the people that listen to my other podcast never hear that side, you know. So it's uh, some of those some of those listeners listen to they've listened to Dads and Diabetes, and they like the fact of that, uh, you know, what that we're kind of raw. That uh, we will talk about how bad it freaking sucks how much we love our kids, the stories that to this day are just burned into our memories and will never go away. But that, you know, it, it's uh, for me personally is, and Mark will probably say the same thing. It's very cathartic uh, being able to talk with Mark. It's really, you know, Mark and I would have had these conversations and we did before his idea of uh, dads and diabetes, and I give him all the credit for that. You know, we just had conversations about our kids and and podcasting, and uh, we just made fast friends by actually by the friendship of our daughters going to attending a diabetes camp. We just talked about real things, and uh, Mark's idea for us to start recording this was, I think, a great idea. And you know, it's just hard to be a dad. Uh, with a diabetic child and not have just the uh, those emotions come out of you, it would be very uh, sterile and uh, I think unentertaining if we didn't show those emotions or we tried to act like super dads, like, hey, you know, we got this, this is not going to bother us and our kid's going to kick diabetes butt and, 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 and stuff like that. That's just, uh, you know, it's not the reality. The reality is it changes every day. You you do your best to manage it. There's no cure. And, you know, you, for all intents and purposes, you are your child's pancreas. And so there's a lot to that. And sorry for the, the run on there. It was, uh, it was quite a long answer. And I'll let Mark uh, fill in the gaps there. But that that's my thoughts on keeping it raw and uh, putting ourselves out there. I think it seems more authentic. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a whole lot to add to that, honestly. Last episode was tough because Alan and I were actually in the room together. It might be the only the only time it ever happens. I just happened to be in Arkansas with work, and so we had a chance to record episode two together. You know, I know it definitely isn't put on. I mean, I saw Alan get really kind of choked up when he was uh, relaying that story, and it was it was it was hard to see. And then I held it together with with the story I had as well about going home uh, from the hospital to go collect some stuff for my daughter, and it was the first time I've been back to the house since we'd been rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. I remember telling that story to Alan off mic before Dads and Diabetes was even an idea. And I'm not sure if you remember this, Alan, but I was sat in my car in a parking lot and I just broke down. Whenever I think about that moment, it just it just floods up me. It just uh... so I was proud of myself to be able to <laughs> hold it together at episode two and relaying that story. But but um, but yeah, I mean that's it, as Alan said, that's that's really what it's all about. It's about being authentic. It's about trying to connect with our audience, whether or not you're somebody with diabetes, you're supporting somebody with diabetes, or whether or not 
you know, you have cousins with whom you're not in constant contact with, but you have diabetes and you just want to know more. You know, I have family members that have diabetes and to my shame, and I mentioned this in the last episode, I still even then didn't know a whole heck of a lot about it. Further to my shame, I didn't do a lot to educate myself. And now, of course, I look back on that and go, that was kind of ignorant. And I'm, I'm glad now, one of the few silver linings of this disease, I suppose, is I'm glad now that I understand it better as I go about supporting my daughter. But I also understand, I, I understand it better as I have conversations with those other family members. So however diabetes has touched your life, if you listen to this podcast, we hope that you can connect with it and um, that it comes across as real and authentic, you know, something that will be of, of emotional value to, if not necessarily medical value. There's one last little key part that I think makes our podcast interesting. It is the dad's perspective, but you'll notice if we, if you didn't know the premise of or the backstory of me and Mark, you could swear that me and him had been lifelong friends and our daughters were diagnosed at the same time because we end up at the same place. We're struggling with the same issues, but at the same time, Aniston, my daughter, she's been diagnosed for uh for for four years, give or take. And Ella, Mark's daughter, is is uh, just a year in. And but you go, you're you're walking down this same journey, ending up at the same place. It doesn't matter if you've been diagnosed for 15 years or five months. You face the same issues because you're 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 walking smack dab into the the new technology, to the new uh, education, to new ways to manage it. Because everybody has the same underlying issue, which is a pancreas that doesn't work. So we're all at different st- stages and times on our journey, but we're all walking down the same road. If that if that makes sense. Yeah, I think uh, the difference in the technology and the knowledge, I guess, between the time that Aniston was diagnosed and the time that Ella was diagnosed, I think that could explain how you two get diagnosed so far apart but end up at the same spot. Good point. Yeah, Yeah, I think the technology has been – it's kind of been a leveler. It's interesting, I think. Alan, I don't think I'm speaking out of school here, and Alan can certainly correct me if if I'm off base, but I think the technology that uh, is available to his daughter and that they've been using until recently was excellent technology, and it was probably as good as it got until it got better. And the technology that my daughter, thank God, has been able to have access to is even that bit more advanced. And I know Alan and his family are looking to move his daughter now across to that technology. But in doing so, it does become a great leveler, and it does enable us to have those conversations if if things if 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 my daughter had access to technology that Aniston didn't, it would make these conversations a, a little disconnected. It would make them hard to have. But the fact that again we're all on the same we're on the same we're at the same place essentially, it does enable us to to have that dialogue. That being said, one of our future episodes, I'm going to be we're going to be inviting on folks who've been dealing with diabetes for a lot longer even than as Aniston has. So she's four years in. We're hoping to have somebody on uh, here here soon who is over ten years in and somebody else who's 30 years in and have them share their stories. Now, they're also in a similar place to us right now because technology has gotten them there, but that wasn't always their reality. And it's kind of horrifying when you talk to people who've been dealing with diabetes for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, even within our lifetimes, but the challenge that they had, just the burden that was placed upon them in dealing with this this, uh, condition, it's, it's really kind of astonishing. 
That's exactly right. The The technology, Mark, you studied it excellently. The, the technology is the leveler because here's what I'm facing is we're about to embark in the next couple of months changing Aniston over from what was the top tech at the time to what Mark is using with Ella. And at that point, now he's going to be the wise sage in me asking him questions where what what I bring to the table is four years of living day to day, watching my child grow up with this, entering, going from, going from, um, you know, eight, eight years old and now reaching that point of, well, I'll just say it. She hates when I say it, but hitting puberty, which is a whole night other nightmare. You know, so it's going to actually put me a little bit behind the eight ball on the technology side. But then as far as emotional competence and emotional uh, intelligence that we have to go through as you walk down this road, that's what I'll be able to still continually relate to that. And I think the listeners will like that because, you know, if they were recently diagnosed, then they're going to relate to Mark and then they're going to listen to maybe how I handle things uh, from a different perspective. Or if they've been diagnosed for a long time, why did I change? Why are we changing? And then Mark can relay, well, these are the challenges that we've seen just since we've been on this new tech, which they really, that's all they've known is this new tech. So it's an interesting dichotomy there that I think it just works really well together. Mark, you touched on something a minute ago that I wanted to go back to. You said that you felt kind of ignorant because you hadn't looked into diabetes and what it is and things like this, even though you had family members that were directly affected by it or had it. You're not the only one, man. I mean, my dad had diabetes. My brother has diabetes. I think that I'm starting to show symptoms of it myself, and I haven't even gone and got myself checked. And I think a lot of people, most people I would venture to say, think that they have an idea of what diabetes is. But if you were to say, okay, can you explain it to me? They'd be at a loss. You know, everybody knows that diabetes. Of, of course I know what diabetes is. Okay, what is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> how would you describe it to somebody in layman's terms? It's interesting. That, that's an interesting question because I think there's there's kind of two degrees of it. I'm going to use the word ignorance and I'm not going to use it in a mean way. I don't mean if you don't understand diabetes, you're stupid. I've already confessed to not understanding it myself until my daughter was diagnosed. What I mean by ignorance is just not having the knowledge, right? Just it not being in your right. sphere. And so I think there's two degrees of it almost in that there's not knowing what diabetes is just broadly. And then there's also confusing type 1 diabetes with type 2. So in the interest of not, of not monopolizing the next 10 minutes, I'll talk about what it is. Alan, maybe you could take the differences between 1 and 2. But um, broadly speaking, diabetes is a, it's an autoimmune disease, and it's, uh, it's where the body sets about attacking itself. It fails to continue to recognize certain cells and processes within the body as being a natural part of uh, the digestive process and begins attacking the pancreas, which is where insulin is produced. So when anybody eats food, that food gets broken down, insulin is a part of that process. It helps us process the sugars and have everything work properly in our body and all the nutrients and goodness go where they need to go and all the waste products go where they need to go. 
with the body attacking itself and essentially shutting down the pancreas, it means that somebody who's a type 1 diabetic is no longer able to produce insulin for themselves. And in the absence of that, you can find yourself in a very dangerous position where you're consuming foods that contain sugars, um, most of which come in the form of carbohydrates. And there's lots and lots and lots of food that contains carbohydrates, in fact, much of what we eat. And if you're consuming that, and those carbohydrate sugars aren't being uh, processed with insulin, then all that continues to happen in, in layman's terms is those sugars back up. And they back up and back up and back up, raising your blood sugar levels to dangerous levels to the point where you can slip into a coma and it's life-threatening. So given that the pancreas has stopped doing its job in a diabetic, it then the responsibility then falls on medical practitioners, family and the, the diagnosed individual themselves to, as Alan said earlier, do the job of the pancreas to um, be able to determine how many carbs were taken into our body so that we can then administer insulin through a pump or through a needle in order to counteract those carbs and make sure they're processed effectively. So broadly speaking, I just gave you about three days worth of uh, education from the Barbara Davis Center in Denver <laughs> in the last two minutes there. But broadly speaking, that's type 1 diabetic. Alan, why don't you take um, common misconceptions? Typically, people think of diabetes in um, actually more of uh, that it's type 2. I guess their default mode is type 2. And the reason is, I think a lot of it's the prevalence of um, pharmaceutical advertising, um, hearing about this um, epidemic of type 2 diabetes, or, or again, they just say diabetes. And, and a lot of that's controlled through diet. The Western diet has really infiltrated the rest of the world, where we're seeing, even in the Middle East, we're seeing an incredible ramp up of type 2 diabetes. And they have very limited sources to... Um, uh, to cause an effect that would cause—I'm uh, sorry—to have the the um, the type of items that we would have that cause type two diabetes. So typically, again, you, you see type two diabetes when you start seeing an insulin resistance and and things. And so type one is autoimmune; you cannot c uh, contract it; um, it is genetic. Type two is a preventable type of diabetes where the pancreas is still functioning but you have developed a resistance to insulin really it's uh, is the best way i can explain it it used to be called adult onset or non-insulin dependent and and things like that but it's no longer called that we're seeing that we're seeing type 2 diabetes even in children but the main difference is type 2 diabetes even after being diagnosed with it it can be controlled with medication with diet with exercise and in some cases even basically be non-existent to where you, you, you're not even uh, needing to take any type of insulin medication. When you're looking at type 1, like with Ellen Aniston, you know, what keeps them alive day to day is insulin. If they do not have insulin, they will die. Type 2 diabetics are able to control their blood sugar with behavior. A lot of times it's frustrating and, and you, as you get further into it and Mark, I'm, I'm sure has already have dealt with, has, has dealt with this, but we have people reaching out to us, uh, especially when we first were diagnosed and trying to tell us that, oh, you know what, baby, I've got diabetes too and you're going to be okay. Just, you know, you just need maybe exercise and just watch what you eat and, and you know what, it may go away. And after, after a while of telling them like, no, it doesn't work that way. 
you know, even Aniston was very gracious in that. She would be like, yes, ma'am, or thank you very much. And when it was hard to uh, really hold back on that and them not understanding it, why just kind of go, you go with it. But it is a very big misconception of, of what diabetes means. And people do need to know the difference. And, and I tell you, you know, you can't avoid type 1 diabetes. A lot of people carry the gene. It just never gets turned on. Typically, there's an attack on the immune system uh, from a some kind of virus that will trigger it. Now, type 2 diabetes, you do have uh, this very similar symptoms of a type 1 diabetic. Um, and, you know, and, and not giving you, Jeremy, medical advice, obviously, but, you know, when if you see things like, you know, frequent urination, fatigue, fits of hunger, uh, mood swings, Sounds like I'm also uh, describing PMS, but um, <laughs> y- the but you know, you know some. I dare you to leave that bit in, Jeremy. I dare you. <laughs> oh, it's staying in. For the record, that was this Alan. one. My, my better joke. So, so far. <laughs> yeah, for the record, that was Alan. That's right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I couldn't help myself, but. You know, but I don't know. I, I believe that that's that's the main thing because it it really is a frustrating thing for diabetic parents. And used to, I was like Mark. I didn't think anything about it. I thought one was the same as the other. But I tell you, you know, it's uh, you you become an expert rapidly on what uh, diabetes is, what's what you can, and how to deal with type one, and also how to deal with type two. And those are type three. There's uh, gestational diabetes, which happens when, um, when um, uh, during a pregnancy, mostly to women. <laughs> um, so, that was a joke as well. Uh, you know, I actually um, found that this week. I found out this week as well. Away after I, I, there's actually a two and there's a there's actually a type two point five as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not going to try speak to it because I'm not sure I understand it fully yet. But I'm doing a little research, but. Um, but yeah, but, but certainly I oh, think okay. the biggest I, distinction is I was waiting on the punchline. No, no, no punchline. No. <laughs> I thought for sure there was going to be something about Wilford Brimley and that, <laughs> that, that one's actually pronounced diabetes. Diabetes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, my gosh. Diabetes. You are from the South. <laughs> the biggest misconceptions are between one and two. You, you're, you're clearly a better parent, Alan, than I am because Aniston is very well-mannered. If, if anyone was to say to Ella those those things that I said to Alison, she would she would roll her eyes probably and just walk away. Um, so <laughs> that's how, that's how my daughter's wired. It comes with experience, Martha. You know, man. It's uh, after you hear it enough. You know, and, and Aniston's kind of proud of it. You've seen the the T-shirt she walks around with now. Uh, it says "Proud Owner of a Useless Pancreas." I mean, she embraces it. Uh, she she'll make jokes about it, but you know, when it comes to managing it, it's definitely not a joke. It's uh, it's very um, ominous. But after a while, you lose the fear of it, and you lose the fear of is my child going to wake up tomorrow? And if you manage it successfully, and Mark and I believe we have great kids, very athletic, very healthy. We have great support systems. Great education, and I and I'll, I'll speak to this. And Jeremy, you can handle it however you want to, but this is a major factor, and we won't go too deep into it. But and I really feel sorry for the people who fall into the latter category. But there is a socioeconomic barrier 
to being compliant or non-compliant with uh, with diabetes. And I know that the administration is taking steps to try to uh, help with uh, insulin costs and things of that nature because I, I meet people who have to make the decision whether or not to buy insulin. And it is a scary thing to think about. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there, that it, that, that is a fact of uh, how people manage it. And I don't want to someone who is discouraged by you know, Mark and I's success stories so far within managing diabetes. There's some that really struggle simply because of the, the, of the, of the financial burden that it brings onto your family. Because on average, you know, if, we, if you didn't have insurance, good Lord, I don't know, Mark, you could probably speak to this as well, but I know that, you know, that diabetes itself, a type one diabetes um, would, I mean, good night, it could run you five or 6,000 bucks a month. Yeah. Use the word success as well, our success with it, and that success with a small s, and I I kind of feel like though we'd never ever use this language with our kids, there are two S words that are interchangeable, success and survival. You know, when you're dealing with a, a condition like this, which is life-threatening and which, if not managed, can take a turn very, very rapidly and a turn that's irreversible, like you said, and that can be largely dependent on your uh, socioeconomic situation. But once it starts to spiral, you, know, you can be all, in all kinds of trouble. Our kids you know, typically aren't on the survival line, thank God, but they could be, they could be. And so it's success with a small S because I remember when we were in the hospital, one of the nurses said to us, you know, managing diabetes is an art, not a science. And what she meant by that was, you're never going to get it 100% right. You're never going to get carb to insulin ratios 100% right. You're never going to go, oh, well, you're about to eat that bowl of cereal. So if I do this, then this is going to happen. You're going to end up here and um, I, I have this down pat, right? I know exactly what's going to happen to your blood sugars for the next three hours. It doesn't work that way. So, you know, so much of it is best guess cross your fingers, put your hands together and pray. And and typically you'll stay within a range and you'll have that success with a small S as opposed to having to deal with the survival. But it's, yeah, it's it's a day-to-day, hour-to-hour challenge. It, it really is. And uh, we'll talk more about that in later podcasts, uh, Dads and Diabetes podcasts, when we come on to technology and how you go about managing those things. But I think Alan and I are both mindful of the fact that our stories, as authentic and as honest as they are, they come from the perspective of two working professionals who are very fortunate to make a good living, have access to great insurance and be able to take care of our families accordingly. And that's not everybody's story. And I think this country needs to do something about that. I saw a post on Facebook today where somebody had put up a meme that said insulin is a right, kind of in the same way that, you know, having access to education is a right. And uh, it's, it's, this is a, it's an essential, it's an essential component to this that is a central component to a type one diabetics life and living and lifestyle. And something does need to be done to ensure that having access to that medicine isn't as prohibitive as it currently is. Anyway, soapbox away. Sorry, man, went off on a tangent there. Not meaning to be taking one political side or the other. The simple fact of the matter is healthcare is incredibly expensive with insurance. Without insurance, healthcare is almost it's almost this mythical thing that doesn't exist. You know, I've seen in my own life healthcare costs that I was like, Jesus Christ, man, I've got the best insurance out there. I mean, UPS is a lot of things, but one thing they are is a company that provides incredible insurance for their employees. And there were still things that I was like, my God, that's expensive. Without 
good insurance, really good insurance. Some of these things are just out of the realm of possibility, financially speak. You said something else that I want to highlight a little bit, which is that your kids are healthy kids. And diabetes isn't necessarily a thing that only affects, well, it isn't a thing that only affects kids that are not, how would be the best way to say this? I guess not normally healthy. You know, it's not something that affects kids that live their life being sickly. It's something that I've heard you talk about your kids. They're athletic, they're healthy, they're happy little kids when it hit them, and it just kind of came out of nowhere. So that's something I think parents need to be aware of and look out for those symptoms that you were mentioning. That's exactly right. It, it's uh, it because because it's an autoimmune disease. I can I, there are some there are definitely some precursors or markers for it. But I, I would have I would let everybody know that if there is a here's here's the let me say it like this. I'll frame it like this without going too deep into it. Because again, this isn't medical advice. Please don't take anything I I, I say as medical advice. Uh, but if you have a family member that has been diagnosed with cancer. Uh, rheumatoid arthritis with thyroid disease, lupus. Uh, I can go on and on and on of with autoimmune diseases. You have your degeneration. Your your children um, have, or even yourself, is uh, is at risk of developing type one diabetes. It's it's in the gene. Sometimes it's turned on and sometimes it's not. Once it's turned on, it will never turn off. And it's unfortunate. It does hit kids that have what we call comorbidity, where they may have another disease at the exact same time. It hits healthy kids that have never been sick a day in their life uh, because it's passed down through their genes. I mean, that's so, and it's strange because you do feel a, a guilt when your child has it, some of it is just your your heart. In your heart, you're wanting to take it away from them and put it on yourself. But you know, at the same time, some of that some of that guilt is because you know you took it. You just took their health for granted. Uh, you kind of just felt like you lived a charmed life with very healthy kids. And you realize pretty quickly that, you know, life can change in an instant. So I would just definitely encourage anyone out there who has relatives that are diabetic or, and I'm talking type one diabetic, that, you know, it's something to be very mindful of. It doesn't hurt to check your blood sugar if you're a non-diabetic. We check my son's blood sugar often. It's just something that we we watch and we're hyper aware of it now, of course, and we try to stay healthy because we also see how easy it is to become a type 2 diabetic because I, that is rampant in my family because, again, I live in the, the, the fat south and, uh, Lord, you know, uh, if you're not a type 2 diabetic, you're an alcoholic. If you're not an alcoholic, you're a meth addict. Uh, you know, so it just uh, – we, we have a very few of us left that don't have one of those three. You're making it sound like deep south bingo. Yeah, exactly. You know, we call that the trifecta. If you are a meth addict, type 2 diabetic, and alcoholic, you, that's the trifecta. You're doing the south right. When I grew up down in the south, we called diabetes the sugars. The sh- <laughs> Just the sugars. 
It was so common. That was it, man. <laughs> got the sugars. And like Alzheimer's, we call it hardening of the arteries. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. When I was a kid in the early 70s, uh, someone passed away. Oh, they had hardening of the arteries. I'm like, what the crap is that? Uh, but anyway. it <laughs> sounds terrifying, man. <laughs> like you just hit rick mortis and die instead of the other way around Dude just so, stiffened know. up and fell over <laughs> yeah you just um you just made a great point that really hit home with me there alan when you were talking about taking our kids um health for granted and kind of the associated guilt that comes with that it's interesting i'd never thought about it like that but you're absolutely right as you were saying that and i was processing it that's the reality and i'm sure we'll probably come to this in a future dads and diabetes episode you know, Ella's been diagnosed now a little over a year, and I was actually passing by the hospital, coincidentally, uh, last week, where she and I spent three days together, we'll talk about in episode two, and anyone who heard episode two or is intending on listening to it will hear a story about me taking her out of the hospital in order to walk down to a local park, a story that ended rather amusingly, but our time in the park, that, that 15, 20 minutes we spent there, was a, it was a nirvana. It was, it was, it was a reconnection to... To, to the normalcy of life. And so as I was passing the hospital this last week, I actually pulled over and got out and went into the park itself and found the bench where she and I had spent some time playing with that puppy that I mentioned in the episode. And you know, it kind of hit me again. I got that wave again, you know, that uh, just being overwhelmed, just being overwhelmed. Everything came, almost like it, like almost like my emotions at that time, one year ago, were captured in that piece of ground or on that piece of wood in that bench. And sitting back down there, I just reconnected with it and um, picked it back up again but but it did it, it but I couldn't necessarily define it I couldn't tell you exactly what it was or describe it necessarily until you just described it there and I think that's exactly what it was it's that pining for what used to be and for how easy that was and for how we took that for granted and then feeling bad that we did and then feeling angry that we have to deal with this new reality but the upside to it all and I think what people will hopefully will take should take from our podcast is that diabetes is manageable, that our kids can have a happy and highly active life, that a diabetic can do most anything anyone else can do. You just need to be more mindful and uh, have the, have people around you who love you and look out for you and are being mindful too. And yes, that's tiring. And yes, that's frustrating. And yes, sometimes that pisses you the hell off, but it can be done. And by God, when it comes to our daughters, it will be. Yeah. And it just becomes a lifestyle. It really does. That's what the experience brings is you just, it is, and me and Mark have said this a hundred times, it just is what it is. And so then you deal with it. You mentioned feeling angry about this situation, but I've also heard you say that it's important to, and that you guys do make an effort to stay positive, at least in front of the kids. Well, I think we both do a good job of that, of, of not facing up exactly what's going on inside while we're with our kids it almost seems to me like in talking with alan he probably does a better job of that period i'm i'm perhaps more of the two of us i'm maybe the one who i don't know i have my moments where i pull the car over to the side of the road just so i can beat the heck out of this steering wheel for 10 minutes but less less so anymore less so anymore but but back in the day you know back in back in the first few months certainly i don't know alan what do you think no no you're right i mean it uh Again, you you build an experience, and it then develops. Once you have experience, you it it leads to to wisdom, and not that I'm wise, but what I mean, it it builds wisdom in dealing with a type one diabetic child because 
the first time that maybe if something goes bad, you didn't do anything wrong. Her body's doing something that you can't control. You know, when you have to, to understand that you can, you can have this thing on lockdown and then the body's still going to decide, nah, I don't think that's the way I'm going to do it today. It's incredibly frustrating. But once you've done that a hundred times, you just, Again, it, it it doesn't throw you for a loop. I'll give you a great example. Um, family we made friends with over Facebook because they reached out to us, and this happens quite often. They reached out to us because their daughter was just diagnosed with diabetes a couple of months ago, and you know he is still in the freakout stage. And we text pretty much every day, and he keeps asking almost every phone call. You're cheating on me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 you know, Mark. Um, I hate hated for you to find out like this. <laughs> no, but uh, <laughs> no, but you know he he asks you know does it ever get better? Does it ever get better? And he's really I don't he's asking me this, but he's calling me because he knows it does get better, and he just wants that reassurance. And as far as dealing with it better, no, man, I I've got a horrific temper, and I can I'm super emotional, but I just know. That obviously we don't want Aniston be to be scared, but I just know that it's it's going to be okay because we have been through some hills and valleys and we we come out the other side. Today is a great example. You know we have been doing this again going on four years. Everything was perfect this morning. Aniston was running a a of a, a a BG or, or, or a blood sugar of about a hundred which that's dialed in, suddenly she starts trending up to 150. We give her insulin, and that should work. Next time we check her, she's at 220. So we give her a pound of insulin, check her again, she's at 257. Nothing was bringing it down. So we suspend and we try to, I mean, I'm sorry, we, we correct and we give her more insulin, and then she starts feeling bad check her she's 57 and about probably about to pass out and it we didn't do anything wrong we did what we know to do we're proactive with it but there's those days it just doesn't work and you do the best you can and and you just do it and you don't get scared because at the end of the day insulin will save your life and then don't let them get too low. And the way to do that is that Skittles will save their life. So you've got this spectrum of insulin bringing sugar down, candy bringing the sugar up. And you know what? You find it, and Mark is exactly right when he said it is an art and not a science. You will never dial in diabetes. You just have to, uh, to live with it. And you can live extremely well. With diabetes, I guarantee you, if if no one knew that our daughters had diabetes, they would never be able to figure it out themselves unless they saw them actually giving themselves insulin or, or checking their sugar. They would have no idea that uh, that either one of them had any kind of autoimmune disease. Yeah, and just to jump on the back of that as well, it's interesting. So while, you, while you're dealing with all that, Alan, just so you know, your daughter and my daughter were playing Mad Libs over text. So. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's exactly can't, right. That's exactly right. And Leslie said, where's my phone? Can I get phone? more normal than yeah. that? 
Yeah. <laughs> and we were at a Taekwondo. Uh, but, the tag was testing for his yellow belt today. That was wild. That was where it was happening. Yeah, I saw at. that. <laughs> yeah. I saw that as Alan, Alan said. But it's, but, you know, to come back to what Alan was saying, you know, it's, there's so many things that can impact it. So, Alan's daughter's getting ready to go through puberty. You know, the hormones are kicking in. My daughter's going through a growth spurt right now. The the hormones associated with growth spurts actually impede the functionality of insulin. And when does that happen most? When the kid's at rest. When is a kid most typically at rest? When they're asleep, which means that, you know, parents are up all night wrestling with the number, trying to administer the right amount of insulin without rage bolusing. If you don't know what rage bolusing is, go ahead and Google it, folks. <laughs> it's just another term you come to learn when you're a parent of a kid with diabetes. And, um, you know, if your kid's sick, if your kid's stressed, exercise, you know, because of the uh, the increase in adrenaline in the kid's system, these can all impact things. But or if at the happy, end of the day... If they're, if they're super excited. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, like Alan was saying, it can, it can all be managed. You just need to stay calm. Alan told a story in regards to, to Anna. I'm going to tell a quick story in regards to Ella. This morning, we were at a uh, there's a, a youth training gym down in town town called Redline, and they focus on uh, helping kids develop their strength, their speed, and agility. Ella's a big soccer player, so we've been going down there during the off-season to help her with her uh, endurance and also uh, speed and so on. And she kind of enjoys it, but, you know, it's it's hard work, and so, you know, I get the grumbles as well. But anyway, she was in there this morning, and the group that she happened to be in with this morning were all kids older than her. I don't think there was a kid. So Ella was 10. I don't think it was a kid probably even within two years of her. I think most of the kids were maybe 13, 14, 15 years old. Uh, but that was the group she was in with and you never know who's going to show up from one day to the next so you just get on with it. And so of course the trainer is trying to set up drills that are going to stretch even the eldest and, and most uh, physically capable of the kids in that group whilst not doing things that are going to mean that the smallest, in this case LA, is going to be uh, is going to be unable to participate but she absolutely killed it. I mean, she went out there today and blitzed the heck out of it. I was watching her just shaking my head because they were doing these running drills and she was in a group of six and she was, again, all these kids are way bigger than her, bigger stride than her, should be more athletic than her. And of a group of six, you know, she was coming in second on the races. And we got in the car and we were coming home and I said to her, you know, you did great today. You really, you know, worked so hard. I'm so proud of you. I said, you know, Ella, anyone watching that session today? would have no idea that any kid in that group had diabetes and they would not be able to pick you out as being the kid with T1D. And I think that's it in a nutshell. I think it is manageable. You can stay on top of it and support it and your kids can live a normal, healthy, highly active life. So um, hopefully that's what people get from our podcast. Well, I think that's a great note to to wrap it up on, man. I know that you guys are running short on time and I appreciate you making the time to come on the show today. But can you remind everyone where they can find dads and diabetes? Okay, so you're not you're not going to short short changes here on your usual questions, are you? Just because <laughs> I, I I already told Alan, I was like, this is the great part of the podcast here. I'm, for for listeners, I'm the one who has to run out the door. I'm on a hard stop. So this is all on me. But I can't shortchange Alan the experience of answering your questions, Jeremy. So come on now. Okay. Okay. I was I was trying to respect that you were on a time crunch, but okay, here it is. The question I normally end the show on is, if you were trapped on a desert island, you could have one bottle of booze, one book or movie, one podcast, and one person with you. How would you fill those spots? While Alan's thinking that over, because I've already done this, <laughs> I've already done this once with Whistle Stop Week, but I'm going to provide a couple of different answers just in the, in the interests of, of interest. I'm not going to change the person. Still going to be my wife. 
you never used to ask me about the podcast before. So that that's... actually is a new part. Yeah, of the that is a new thing. So, um, you know, it, obviously podcasts we listen to, who would not want to be stranded on a desert island with your dulcet tones, Jeremy? <laughs> I kind of feel like I need to say that, but I also would love to say Whistle Stop Week, but as I'm the host of the show, if I'm on a desert island, I can't host a show anymore. Small Town Famous makes me laugh every time I listen to it. Alan does such a great job. But, you know, I, if I'm on a desert island, I've got to have access to my football, to my soccer. So I think I'd probably be listening to uh, the Guardian newspaper's Football Weekly podcast because I need to stay up to date with, with what's going on in the world of, of soccer. For my book, uh, I think last time I was on, I said Sherlock Holmes. I'm going to change it up this time and say The Complete Collected Works of Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, that's a good choice. Right? That is that. I, I, and as far as my booze is concerned, last time I was on, you and I got into a lengthy conversation, Jeremy, about um, a distillery in Denver called Stranahan's. That's and right, we they, did. Yeah. And how good their whiskey was. I found a new one down in Colorado Springs, which uh, is phenomenal, called uh, Distillery 291. They have a whole range of incredible whiskeys. I would be happy with a, a refillable bottle, any bottle of whiskey that those guys produce. So Distillery 291 are definitely worth checking out. So I think that's me. As the, uh, rapid, rapid fire, because I've done it before. I would say for the person, uh, Bear Grylls, because I think you would be able to find a way uh, to help me off the island. Um... Nah, probably, uh, my wife. Nah, I better pick my wife. At least we would, uh, that'd be fun. Uh, let's see. If it was a book, I'd, I'd, I got to say my Bible. If it's uh, a movie, it would be Castaway f- for purely reference purposes. For a for the podcast, it would probably be one that I'm about to start called So You're Stranded on a Deserted Island because now you've got me freaked out about it. Um, <laughs> let's see. And for liquor, it would probably be Bacardi 151, and that would be for purely medicinal purposes and for starting fires. I was going to say, you could probably burn the island down with a Bacardi 151. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That'll give give you them sugars, Alan. You get the sugars off that. (laughs) Yeah, you do. (laughs) Coincidentally, I found a local uh, distillery here, and I believe it's called Distillery 8, but they make a port bourbon. It's a bourbon that's aged in port wine barrels, and it is pretty damn good. I'm go- I'm Googling it right now. Uh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right. Is it stuff. on Amazon? <laughs> I don't think they sell that on Amazon. Well, they should. <laughs> Before we get out of here, can you remind everyone where they can find you guys? Sure. Uh, again, it's at it's Dads and Diabetes. You can find us on iTunes. Of course, um, you, we have a website, dadsanddiabetes.com. You can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all by searching Dads and Diabetes. If you, if it's strictly talking about Dads and Diabetes, so I think we've already got to plug our other stuff. So I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, and please, we we love folks to interact with us. We love folks to give us feedback. Obviously, it's great to get great to get likes. It's great great to get reviews on um, Instagram um, and Facebook and all that good stuff. But but more than that, we just love to hear back from listeners, particularly those whose lives have been touched with diabetes. I, I just want to wrap up by just sharing. One comment we got from uh, one dad who listened to our, our first episode, actually, and this really touched Alan and I. And this was one of several comments we got back that uh, uh, we just so appreciated and actually shared out in our second episode. But this guy goes on to say, uh, just listen to your first episode on the drive home. This is really great. 
can't say I didn't get a bit of a lumpy throat listening to your diagnosis stories. It's great to hear the dad perspective sometimes. Hats off to all our T1 moms, but you're all outnumber us on these forums. Uh, and then he wraps up by saying that he enjoys the uh, hearing the huge uh, difference in accent between Alan and I, which I didn't understand. But <laughs> I, don't <hear> that. <laughs> I don't know how anybody could tell you guys apart. <laughs> <laughs> but, but seriously, that kind of feedback is uh, it, it. It's it touches us. It it makes it makes it worthwhile. It makes it realize that we're making a connection with our audience, and you know that runs both ways. So uh, we we love doing this. We love sharing our stories. We love trying to be some measure of inspiration to people. But um, to get that feedback, that keeps it keeps us going. So uh, please keep uh, corresponding with us. Absolutely. Well, that's it for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it for you. If you would like to be a guest on the show, if you would like to suggest a guest for the show, or if you have questions for an upcoming guest, help for that matter, if you just want to say hi, you can reach out to us on Twitter at PWLT Podcast. You can email us at pwltpodcast at gmail.com and of course you can join the Facebook group where we have around 20,000 members that are talking about everything under the podcast sun it is always growing and it is always hopping lastly if you feel like you've gotten at least a dollar's worth of entertainment out of this show we would love for you to support us on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash podcast we listen to. Every little bit helps and is really appreciated. All of that said, we'll see you next Wednesday. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.